This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 765, Comic Reviews for the week of Wednesday, March 25th. Comic Shenanigans, Comic Shenanigans, with Adam Chapman, with Adam Chapman. Comic Shenanigans, Comic Shenanigans, with Adam Chapman, with Adam Chapman. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Chapman. This is episode 765, taking a look at some of the selected releases from the week of March 25th. This is going to be the last of our proper reviews episodes for a while, uh, just because there's no comics coming out on Wednesday, April 1st, when I record this, uh, which is kind of a weird feeling. Um, so I'll be talking about books that came out on the 25th, and then uh, I don't know what I'm going to do afterwards. Uh, I'm going to keep the two-week episode um, going. I'm just not sure what I'm going to be doing on the reviews episodes. I might slowly kind of... Uh, fill in some of the issues I've, I've read in the back catalog. Um, I'm still, you know, going through, you know, over 30 books from January and over like 90 books from February. And I think I have like a hundred books from March still to read. So I, I might start to slowly kind of go through those and do selected releases from those week and kind of a review catch up format. I'm not really sure yet. Uh, but let's talk about March 25th. So here's some of the things I'm not talking about, but one of the least spotlight books that did come out. Um, they included 2024 works, uh, Amethyst, Batgirl, Batman Beyond, Batman Curse of the White Knight, Batman Superman, Detective Comics, Falcon and Winter Soldier, Fantastic Four, Marvel's Snapshot, Giant Size X-Men Nightcrawler, Legion of Superheroes, Punisher Soviet, Ravencroft, uh, Red Hood Outlaw, Revenge of the Cosmic Ghost Rider, Road to Empire, Scream, Curse of Carnage, Star, Star Wars Bounty Hunters, Suicide Squad, Supergirl, Tarot, The Flash, Wolverine, Wonder Woman, and X-Men Fantastic Four. A lot of good books. Um, so what am I talking about today? Um, so I'm going to kind of do a, kind of some quick hits, because apparently I read like a ton of books um, that I did not realize. Uh, I read one, two, three, four five, six books, which is more than I have been averaging most, most recently. Uh, first up, we have Action Comics 1021, and uh, this is continuing the kind of the, the, the big story with both Leviathan and the Legion of Doom. Uh, I, I really found myself bored by this. Um, I didn't really enjoy it. Um, I'm not a big fan of... First of all, this has got artwork by John Romita Jr., but this is not... I would say John Romita Jr. at his best. Uh, it's inked by Klaus Janssen. It's got uh, colors by Brad Anderson and Dave Sharp does the letters. Um, but I found a lot of this issue to be very forgettable art-wise, and it just didn't, didn't really live up to the character and the energy, and it felt rushed and sloppy. And uh, like at times, Superman even looked off-model. There was a lot of extra talking here. It got too talky. There were some like genuine moments. Like, there's a moment with Superman and Connor Kent, which I thought was nice. Um, but even that artistically didn't make sense because like there's a shot where Superman's looking at, Cl- at Connor, and for a moment, like again, Connor is not having the best detail on his face because of John Romita Jr. not really giving it to him, and it almost looks like he's got like a fade and he's got his kind of high, high hair. But in the next shot, you have you know Connor having more standard hair that is a little bit more like Clark's. So it's just there's a lot of inconsistencies. Um, I didn't even really care for. I didn't care for much of this. I just found it very boring. Again, the it was not very good. I thought the story was kind of plotting, and I didn't really enjoy that either. So I'm going to give it a four. Um, 
it just was kind of a boring issue. Uh, next up is a good issue, but a weird divergent. It's True Companions Part 2, uh, which is part of the storyline in Amazing Spider-Man 42, Legacy Numbering 843. This is by Nick Spencer and Ryan Otley. Um, you can tell that Otley is having a hell of a fun time doing this story with uh, Gog, who I completely forgot about as a character. It's definitely in- interesting and well-told. It's just it doesn't move the narrative forward. Um I mean, it, it, we're we're literally where we were in the last issue. Uh, nothing's changed. Um, we just understand more about what Gog is doing and why he's here, and you know, it gives us more perspective. But did the issue need to occur? It just feels like we get this giant, you know, zigzag uh, into a completely different story. Now the story is great; it's very affecting, very well told. But again, I'm reading Basic Spider-Man. I'm not reading a Gog book, and I felt like spending an entire issue to flesh out this character maybe isn't required. Um, you know, I, back in the day, this would have been a couple pages. You know, you would have gotten a very kind of dense retelling where you would have gotten a couple pages and we moved, would have moved on. And we don't get to move on. And so we spend the entire issue. So I'm really torn on this because I think it was exquisitely well told. But I think it was narratively, you know, just we're just... We're not moving forward, and that bugged me. So I'm, I'm going to give it an eight, but it's a, I'm, I'm giving it a caveat. Like it's really well done, it's really well illustrated, it looks fantastic, it reads well. You really care about Gog. However, I'm reading Amazing Spider-Man. I'm not reading the Amazing Gog. So there's some issue there that we're spending an entire issue to flesh out a character that may it may not even end up mattering. And I guess that's you know, we'll be able to take that better in context once we get Amazing Spider-Man 43, and we'll be able to understand, like, was this worth it? Was getting all this extra dimension on Gog really worth where we go in the next chapter? If it's just a standard kind of fight, then maybe it won't. And then then it's like, well, we did all this for what? Um, if it sets up something big with Gog, then maybe that's a different story. But I, don't, I, don't, I feel like that's not where we're going, but we'll see. Next up is Black Panther 22. Now, I haven't talked a lot about Black Panther on this podcast just because I've, I've never been keeping up with it so i i i find i just it's not for me um i haven't enjoyed any of the intergalactic empire wakanda stories um so basically this entire run i've just been very bored with i just never really got invested in in the story that was being told and i like the story that was being told i like the story that was being told in the previous volume but it just this this current volume it hasn't been something that's captivated my interest uh at all and i just haven't really enjoyed it uh it's by tanahisi coates daniel acuna acuna and uh ryan bodenheim and uh yeah, colors by daniel acuna and chris o'halloran and virtual calligraphist joe sabino doing the letters um i'm also not a huge fan of acuna i mean there are times when i think he's really strong and i the parts of this issue i liked was the reference points to you know black panther being part of the uh illuminati um everything that kind of happened when he was when uh, Jonathan Hicklin was writing the new Avengers. Um, I liked all of that and kind of seeing Black Panther fighting, you know, the visions of the past and other Black Panthers. I thought that is interesting stuff and was more engaging. Uh, it's when we kind of go into the other stuff that was more of the spacefaring stuff that I found I was not were nowhere near as interested. Um, so it was just interesting. And so again, the reference points to the past, I really enjoyed um, it was the more modern stuff that I found. This issue probably I liked more than most recent Black Panther issues because of kind of looking backwards and having it be more about Black Panther and less about this intergalactic thing that's happening. So I'll give it a seven. 
Uh, next up is Hellions number one. I actually really enjoyed this. Uh, it's obviously a little setup, but it was interesting setup. Uh, I thought the artwork was gorgeous. Um, so this was good. This was by Zeb Wells. Welcome back, Zeb Wells. He's suddenly he's all over the place. He's doing a bunch of different Marvel work, and so it's just nice to have Zeb back writing comics. I don't know where he went. I, I, I think I know because I did do an interview with Zeb and kind of talked about it, but it's nice to see him back and maybe I'll try and have him back on the show at some point because it's nice to see him kind of explode back on the scene with a number of different books and this is a, a larger kind of uh, more um, visual release. Like this is you know part of Don of X books. Like this is uh, more of an impact and uh, so far hits the ground running. Great artwork by artwork by Steven Segovia. Color art by David Guriel, or sorry, Curiel. Uh, virtual calligraphy is Corey Pettit on letters and Tom Muller of course doing design work. Um, really like this and we got this the kind of new squad uh these people who generally speaking would usually be condemned or have a lot of issues kind of uh assimilating with you know current society um they're an interesting group to see together uh interested interested to find out what's going on with havoc although the the minute he was doing something hinky i was like well either it's an access thing or that other weird uh, other dimensional uh version of havoc from the six um, so I was just curious about that, but I like the use of um, Wild Child, although he's wearing his AOA costume, and I'm not sure if that makes sense, because I don't think he ever wore it out of the Age of Apocalypse. I love seeing Scalp Hunter here. I'm excited to see, because like, the way that he's written here, I think, is really intriguing. Um, the use of Ma- the big surprise at the end with Madeline Pryor, having like, killed the uh, some clone versions of the Marauders, I thought was really interesting. Uh, I'm excited about this. I'm really intrigued going forward and want to see what comes next. Uh, I don't know if I needed to see Quanon leading another book, because didn't she lead Fallen Angels? I have been falling behind on that, so maybe I'm wrong, but that part I was not as huge a fan about. But uh, the rest of it, I think, is great setup, and I can't wait to read more from Hellions. I'm going to give that a very uh, qualified 8. Uh, next up is Immortal Hulk. Now, I, I read, like, I think, what, one, two, three, four, four issues at once to kind of get caught up. So if I forget some of the intricacies, um, that's why. Because I have a lot, I just read a bunch of issues all at once. Um, the artwork remains absolutely gorgeous. Uh, the, the whole series is so crazy uh, and, and enjoyable. Um, we got, you know, Mindscape stuff, we got Zem New stuff, um, we got a kind of great reveal that makes me want to kind of go back and uh, understand how this all kind of fits together. Uh, it's written by Al Ewing, uh, Joe Bennett doing the pencils on the main story. Uh, the main story has inks by. Roy, Jose, Bellardino, Bravo, Mark Deering, and Mark Morales, which, considering how many anchors you have on the main story, it didn't feel like it was jumbled at all. It didn't feel like it was inconsistent. Uh, Paul Mounts is the colorist of the main story, and then in the Mindscape sequence, you have one of my favorite artists, Nick Patara, um, and uh, Michael Garland is the colorist on those sequences. And, um, yeah, they're... If you look at it, like they're very clearly Patara. Like everything about it just screams out, "These are Patara's type of characters." Um, which was, it was nice to see him resurface here. I was like, "Who? Who did this art?" And I'm like, "Of course, that's who it is." Um, where you have the simplistic Hulk and the um, uh, kind of War Hulk or Planet Hulk or World War Hulk version uh, in the mindscape and trying to kind of free their you know, collective consciousness from um, what Zemnu is doing, which is really intriguing. You get some kind of potential revelations about the death of uh, uh, Brian uh, Banner, which considering how that character has been an important part of this book was interesting as well. Um, the artwork, again, is creepy as fuck sometimes um, when you have the shot of, you know, 
what would happen if he if Banner let go and it was just this weird like three faced Hulk thing with like multiple arms. It was so creepy. Uh, there's shots of of um, Banner just kind of smiling, and it's very unsettling and creepy as well. Um, I was and like what happens to uh, the Minotaur Agar, I thought was really creepy. I'm curious to see how they kind of walk back from this because Agar's used a lot usually and has been a you know a frequent uh, antagonist over the course of the last few years. Obviously, most prominently in Jason Aaron's Thor books, and now he's kind of mush. Like, how does it? How's he going to come back from this? Um, but yeah, this remains one of the best books on the shelf. And a you know very strong eight and a half again the creepiest fuck and that reveal at the end what does this even mean um, what you know what how does this impact how we can reframe and, and review uh, where we've been so far in the series it's it's kind of nuts and mind boggling to be honest um, and I'm curious to go back and, and understand how it all fits together and last but not least we have X Men number nine uh, with the great cover which is very kind of classic looking because you have like the Star Jammers you have the Imperial Guard or some of them you have um, Quasar not Quasar Christopher Summers or Corsair you have Gladiator you have you know some alien ships you have uh, Cyclops I guess flexing his muscles is kind of a fun look him and Havoc and Marvel Girl and uh, Vulcan. It'd be interesting now that Havoc is in Hellions to maybe see less of him here. Um, but I really enjoyed this. I like the use of the uh, the history of the, kind of the brood and adding something new, which is the the you know the, the basically the, there can be a king, um, one king. There's all these queens, but there could be one king. Uh, it's written by Jonathan Hickman, artwork by Lionel Francis Yu, Sunny Go on colors, and Patricia Lugafis, Clayton Cowles on letters, and Tom Muller again doing design work. Um, so this was a really you know fun and interesting story. I liked seeing Gladiator used against uh, an accuser. Um, I like you know the X-Men all having to fight against the Brood. Brood are a good classic villain of the X-Men. Um, and then kind of how it ends, and now that we finally have a king, is kind of nuts and very, again, a, a, a cool idea. Interesting to see how long it lasts and what more it could mean now that Brood is in control of the entire Brood collective. Um, it's kind of, you know, again, one of those uh, really potentially game-changing events, and I'm curious how, again, it will all fit together, because Hickman has been nothing if not sporadic in terms of kind of, um, if he was a baseball player, he'd be spraying it all over the field. Like, he's not concentrating in one area in terms of his stories. He's kind of doing a lot of different things, and I'm curious when it will all kind of be pulled together, and you know, I feel like he's, he does this a lot, where he kind of plants seeds all over the place, and suddenly everything, you know, kind of spreads out, but at the same time you're like, holy shit, this is where we were going the entire time. But I thought it was obvious, and I, I felt this way in his Fantastic Four run, but I think it was less so. It was less less, uh, there was less issues and less of a random com- feeling, whereas we've had a lot of, like, where are we going with this? What are, what are we doing? But I, I, in Hickman, I trust, you know? Like, if anyone can stick a landing or really pull things together, I do think that Jonathan Hickman is one of those guys. Um, so I'm definitely interested to see where we go from there. And that is our episode. So we have no books coming out on April 1st to talk about uh, that we'll be saying that we're going to review on an upcoming episode. So I'm not really sure uh, what I'm going to be talking about in our next episode. I might just pick a, a bunch of books from, you know, as I kind of uh, get caught up and if I am reading through a pile and come across something that's particularly enjoyable or that I think is worthy of uh, inclusion on an episode, then I will do that and hopefully try to stick to some kind of semblance of a schedule. And I was trying to get back to, uh, you know, kind 
kind of a Monday Tuesday release for comic reviews, and then uh, Friday having you know the non comic review episode. Uh, this episode is definitely you know this week is going to buck that trend because I'm having two episodes come out in one day just because I have a very timely episode with Tom Brevoort on uh, the, the episode numbering after this one, um, which would be I guess seven sixty six. So I'm excited about that, and then uh, hopefully we'll be back sometime the week of April the sixth with the new episode. Not sure what that's going to look like, but uh, I'm sure it'll be something fun. So thanks again for listening. You can email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com. Rate the show on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and also listen to us on Stitcher. If you do rate, uh, leave us a review, I'll make sure to, if you let me know which country you're in, I'll make sure to read it on the show. Thanks so much, and we will catch you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>